morning. The, uh, over the next few lessons, the next few sermons over the next few weeks, uh, we're going to start to look at a bit of a series that I'm calling Dynasty Christians. And uh, the idea kind of overarching in the series is going to be uh, how we can use all the resources, all the blessings, all the things that we've been given to accomplish our goals as a Christian and as the church. And so... To begin with all that, I'll kind of break down a bit of what I mean by, by dynasty. Now for me, when I think of a dynasty, I think of sports, and I think of sports dynasties over the years. And so when you think of a sports dynasty, maybe certain, certain teams will maybe pop up in your, in your head. Who are these teams that are, have won multiple times, uh, have been really good for a long time? Uh, Obviously, to, to me, that comes to mind, I think of the Oilers in the 80s uh, and Stanley Cups they won. You might think of the Montreal Canadiens in the 60s and all the times that they won. Uh, you might think of, of the Yankees as a picture of the Yankee Stadium here. They're kind of considered that kind of dynasty team. Maybe the Red Sox, too, most more recently. Uh, a team like the Patriots for football have won a, a bunch of times. And so... All these teams that you might think of as kind of these, these dynasty teams are teams that have won over and over again, and not just won, but they have everything you would need. So when you think of, of the Yankees, you don't think of poverty and cutting, you know, you're, you know, cutting salaries down to the minimum. You think of excess and, and everything that you would possibly need as a baseball player, or even as a baseball fan, the Yankees will offer you. They have all the resources that you can imagine. They have, uh, they, they're able to pay to get the best players, to get the best coaches, to build the nicest stadiums, and the best training facilities, and the best transportation, and the best food, and everything that they could possibly give to their athletes, they're able to give it. And so they have all the luxuries that you, that you would want. Uh, we, we see this a lot in, in college sports, college football especially, where they, because those players don't get paid, the teams are able to, to build and create all of these great luxuries to attract players to come and play for them. So a, a football team like Alabama who, had, who makes millions and millions of dollars a year off their football team, has this massive complex they built with really fancy equipment and, and training things and all the workout stuff you can imagine, all really, really nice things. And so if you're a high school football star deciding where to go to college, a place like Alabama is going to look really nice to you because it, it, uh, it affords you the op opportunity to win. Which is, as an athlete, that's your, your ultimate goal, is to win that championship, win that national title. And if you can go somewhere that will give you every opportunity to be able to succeed, then that's an attractive place to be. So, when we look at it, for us, we think of all the, the resources that we have. And, and Dale alludes to that as we had the giving this morning. Uh, that we are blessed with so much here. We may not have the billions of dollars as the Yankees do, 
but we still have lots of resources that we have. We have lots of things as the church here in Carmen, and as Christians here, that most Christians in churches around the world don't have the opportunity for. These sports teams that are these dynasties, these high teams like the Yankees, they're in the same league with, with teams that have a tenth of the player salary that they have. And they're, they're with other teams that have small training facilities and don't have private chefs and don't have a private plane. And, and you can see the disparity between the two. And that's similar to us as Christians around the world. There's Christians that have very, very little around the world to be able to have resources to go out into the world. Whereas us here in Canada, we have lots of those resources. So when we look into, into God's Word as an example of somebody that had a lot of resources to work with, we can think of somebody like Solomon. So Solomon, when you, when you look back, and, and 2 Chronicles chapter 9 goes, goes into it, we're not going to go into it deeply here, but it talks about the wealth that Solomon was accumulating over his lifetime. So when we think of someone who is really wealthy in our world today, maybe a few people come to mind. You might think of somebody like Bill Gates, maybe somebody like Warren Buffett, maybe Jeff Bezos, maybe other ones like that, that are these billionaires within the world that are really wealthy and have lots of, of, of resources to do things with. Well, when we, when we look at Solomon, we think of how wealthy certain individuals are in our world today, and Solomon even goes much, much more beyond that. Uh, when I was doing a little bit of research on kind of the equivalent of Solomon's wealth, it's estimated somewhere around $2 trillion that he was worth at kind of his, at his peak there. Uh, it was obviously pretty hard to kind of get a real estimate as he was, you know, more resources were coming in all the time for him, for the uh, surrounding nations, but it was somewhere around about $2 trillion that he would have been worth. Uh, so Solomon <clears throat> had, had the ability to do anything he wanted. He could go anywhere he wanted, he could get anything he wanted, he could build anything he wanted, uh, he could, uh, in anything that he kind of desired, he had the resources, the wealth, to be able to do whatever he wanted. There was no restrictions in Solomon's life into what he wanted to do. If he chose to do something, he could do it. He had that ability. And so, as Christians here, as I mentioned here in Carmen, we have a lot of resources and wealth. We don't quite have the two trillion dollars that Solomon had, but we still have lots. And when we think about what our goals are as Christians, and what our goals are as the church, it's good to think about how those goals will fit with the resources that we have. How can we use the things that we have to further our goals? So here are four goals that over the next few lessons we'll, we'll look at. And today we'll talk about putting God first, so we'll talk about that in, in a few minutes. And then we'll look at being, being strong and using our, being strong in our faith and being confident in our faith. 
and talk about the armor of God as that's described uh, to us, that we can, we can put on that armor and be secure and be strong in our faith. And our goal also then is, is to grow, is to grow as Christians in our knowledge, grow in what, what we know, grow in what we do, uh, and as the church as well, and the church continues to grow, and that's, that's our goal. And then ultimately it's to spread the gospel, uh, that these, you know, to bring the gospel to the entire world. So these are the four goals that we'll look at over the next little while. As far as today, we'll look at uh, putting God first. So our focus here will be a, a little bit of Matthew chapter 6, uh, but before we get to Matthew chapter 6, we can go back and go right to Exodus and the Ten Commandments. And so when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, the very first one said, You shall have no other gods before me. And that wasn't the first one just randomized. That was meant to be there for a reason that God wanted the people to know and to understand that nothing comes before God. And when he says he shall have no other gods before me, as we um, read there this morning as well, he's, there were you know, other gods in the world, these pagan religions and different things like that, people's gods, but he's also meaning anything that we put before God that can't be there. So anything that we uh, that we kind of deem more important or, or uh, put above God, he made it clear very, very clearly right away in the Ten Commandments that you cannot have anything before God. So as we go into Matthew, we see that idea expressed out a little more. So Matthew chapter 6, uh, verses 25 to 34. It says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Here, Jesus gives us a, a description of God taking care of us. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've had... Uh, a rock, some robins built a nest in our gazebo. And uh, over the last week, there's been about four or five chicks in there that have been poking up and looking for food. And we're just kind of sitting there and don't 
really know it. And then all of a sudden you hear the squawking, and you'll see the mother bird flying around, and you'll see, you know, in, in the tree, the mother bird with a worm, just waiting, I think kind of a little cautious that we're there, but waiting to go and feed her, her little chicks. And we kind of, for the first little while, we, then we left the gazebo so the bird could come in. But after a little while, I think they, the mom just must have gotten used to us and just flew right in. And, and knew that she needed to feed her little birds. And it was just really neat to see how, how that was all taken care of. We, we didn't do anything, nor shouldn't we do anything. The mother was completely taking care of it. Everything was, was going as it should go. And it was just neat to see that process work. And, and God talks about that, Jesus talks about that here, that things will be taken care of. As, as things are going to work the way they're going to work, the birds will be taken care of, uh, no matter kind of what we do about it. The, the mother will make sure to find the worm wherever she finds them, I don't know. But she'll find one and feed her chicks and everything will be taken care of. And so Jesus relates that to us and says, you know, don't worry about all of these things, how all these things are going to get done. So the, the verse I want to focus on here for us is verse 33, where he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus is telling his audience here that it's not just a good idea to have God in your life and to have God part of your life, but you must seek God first in your life. Then all these things will be given to you. That he's, he's making it clear that the first thing we do is bring God into our lives. So our, our without seeking God first, in everything we do, our focus is going to be misaligned. And we're going to wander without having a real clear path. So Jesus makes it clear that the first thing we do, and going back then to the first commandment as well, is putting God first in the decisions that we, that we make. So when we think about what we do in you know, any given day, and what we do in a week, what we do in a month, and what we do in a year, if you kind of, in your mind, think about what you do, and all the, the you know, the plans you have, all the things that you do throughout those times, how many of the things that we do are in service to God and in service to the church? even within a day, but as we look even up to a year, all the things that we do within a year, how much of those things that we're doing are for God? How many of those things are for the church? How many of those things that we decide are we looking at God first in those decisions? When we decide to, to go somewhere, when we decide to put our, our kids in certain activities, uh, are we thinking, well, that would be, you know, be really, really good for them. It'd be fun to go and do this thing. It'd be fun to go to this, this place and see this, 
see these people and see this thing or put our kids into this, they get some physical activity and meet friends and, and you know, all those things. Is that our goal when we're doing things in life? Or are we thinking, well, how does God want me to spend my time? What can I do when I go on a vacation to somewhere? How can I still serve God when I'm away from home? That in, in all the decisions that we make, are we seeking God first in those decisions and then deciding? So when we look at all the things that we have here as as I'm kind of putting it, as, as we are these dynasty Christians within the world, that we are these Christians that have all of these resources, that we do all of these things. We have the ability to go and, and do a lot of things. We have, uh, we have money that we can spend to send to other places in the world. Um, and, and we have a building here that we can meet in and stay cool in in the summer and warm in in the winter. Uh, we have the ability to travel really all, all normally at least, all really over the world as we would, as we would like to. Uh, we have so many things that we can do that there's not much that if we really wanted to do something, that we couldn't do it. If we really decided as you as a Christian individually, but also as the church, that we wanted to do something, we have a, you know, a have a goal and, and accomplish that, we have enough resources that we probably could be able to get that done. And that is a really great blessing that God's given us. Not, like I said, not every Christian in all the churches around the world have that ability to say, well, we want to do this, let's gather everything up and do it. So as we here have all of these things, it's important for us to seek God first in making those decisions. And Dale said that in his prayer as well at, at the giving, that as we decide how to use our resources, that we look at how God would want us to. As the church, we do that, but as Christians, we need to do that as well. We have so many opportunities to do so many things in this world that it's easy for us to just get comfortable in our own lives and spend our time and our money and our resources being comfortable and you know get, getting the things that we like and doing the things that are fun. And all those things are nice and they're good to do, but we need to be looking towards God and seeking God when making those decisions. And how can I help further God's plan here in the, wor in the world and, and, you know, and spread the gospel? How can I use my money and my time and my, uh, my vehicle and my whatever I might have, my house, to further serve God? We, we look at all these sports teams that I mentioned earlier that have all of these things. And the thing about them, even like the Yankees who have unlimited money, it seems, and resources, the Yankees don't win the World Series every year. They're not always successful. 
Now you can say, well, maybe they spent their money on the wrong players, or they, you know, this didn't work out, or that didn't work out. So it, we know that we're not always going to succeed uh, in the way that maybe we would like to succeed all the time, even though we have all the resources, we can do anything we want. That things may not turn out the way that we kind of hoped they would, but that shouldn't deter us from going and trying again and again. Just because the Yankees didn't win last year doesn't mean they're not competing this year. Right? They're still going to use the resources they have to try to accomplish their goals. And so as, as us as Christians that we look towards God first with all that we have and then all the things that we do, and even when we, our goals don't quite get accomplished the way we want, that we continue on, that we continue to use the resources God's given us and know that God will take care of us, not worry about these, these smaller things, but use our resources to do the will of God. And, and as we start to, to train our minds to do that, we can start to see the things that we can, how we can impact the world for God. That there's so many opportunities that we have that we can, we can be a light to the world. As my lesson a couple weeks ago talked about being stars, shining like stars in the world. And our, our lives reflect that, that we shine like stars. But the things we, we do, how we use the things we have, will be a great example to the people around us and will help the people around us that they need. So the question is, how are we using the resources that we have? And when we decide what we're going to do, are we seeking God first? Thank you. <clears throat>